Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, the other day, uh, it was me and Joanne's anniversary. Uh, she uh, First time she came to visit here was three years ago. And so, you know, we've been, she's been out here for a year. And we were going to go to Malibu for lunch, because that's where we originally went for our first day, because I wanted to impress her. I hadn't seen her for years. So I took her, of course, to Dukes right on the beach. But we actually decided at the last minute, I got a call to audition for a game show. And she, as a couple, and she's like, okay, I, I want to do this. Because so, I was like, all right, well, then you, you don't have to drive out to Malibu from Burbank. It's all good and it's all good and dandy. Well, we go to the audition, and, and it was fun. It's the first, she doesn't audition. She's not an actor, you know, she doesn't do anything like that. But it was fun. But what bothered me was, was when I entered the audition, is you sit there and you have to wait. And uh, and I did get to see Brian Husky, uh, past guest. He was walking out of the building, so I got to talk to him. But we're waiting, and it's so funny, these people that audition. Now, you're supposed to be a couple. Some of them aren't. And I ran into this one girl, and she's with a guy, and she was everything that is wrong with Hollywood. Everything, I mean, she sat there, she, and I don't want to be judgmental, but after interviewing people and stuff like that, I can tell, and doing comedy for years, she had no talent. And she sat there like she acted like she had talent, and her nails weren't painted right, like they were chipped off. And I'm thinking, you're going to an audition, you know, make yourself look good. And she kept talking to this guy who was supposed to be her date or whatever, and she wouldn't shut up. And she's talking about all these shows coming up and how there's a cello. And then she starts singing. I mean, she's singing. And we're outside in Burbank. She's singing. And finally, I hear her talking to this guy, and she's looking at her phone. She goes, oh. I'm going to submit for this and I'm going to tell him this part's right for me. But she goes, because you have to show your personality in your notes. Well, let me tell you something. If I submit, because I submit on my own, but if I submitted something stupid, my agent would call me and say, you know what? Don't submit anything stupid. Don't say anything. So I don't know if we got the part. It was fun. It's for this game show. It's a remake. We'll find out in March. But I just laughed because I could imagine what this poor girl was like when she went in. Anyway, enough about that rant. We have a we have a great guest who has hosted stuff, so he might be able to give insert. I don't know if he's ever auditioned for a game show, but our guest is a Matt Gallant. How you doing, Matt? I'm good. I don't I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a good inch. I don't know if I want to follow that story. Come no, on, some come on. crazy woman. Well, you know how it is. Uh, I mean, you, yeah, oh. you've been out in L.A. and you know, and yeah. you've, you've had. I will talk about you know from when you were helping with the Letterman show. I mean, you've yeah. been in this business for a long time, yeah. and you know there are. And I I hate to say because there's so many great people. But there are so many idiots who they, you know how it is. You, you go out and you know, and you have a recognizable face. I'm sure, like when you hosted your pet show, I'm sure there's people that came up and thought their pets should be on TV and they probably bothered you and, and they give you that story. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, they never, it was never a bother for me, you know, but most people didn't recognize me for my looks. It was my voice. Okay. And they'd be like, oh, oh wait a minute. You know, because on that show, they, they made me have like conservative hair, and, and I dressed very poorly. I think they bought all the clothes off the rack at uh, TJ Maxx. Okay. So it was ill-fitting and stuff. So when they would see me out in the t-shirt and stuff, they'd be like, hey, are you that guy from Planet's Funniest Animals? I'd be like, yeah. Um, it was never a bother. It was, also, it was kind of fun. It, uh, but getting back to the thing about uh, L.A. is... Um, it's, 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 it is, there's a lot of great people here, super talented, but as my friend Peter likes to say, there are a lot of morons. Oh, yeah. People that have no idea, and, you know, it's like, they're taking up a lot of space, you know, I never piss, uh, excuse me, I never rain on anybody's parade, you know, if you have a dream, go for it, go for it, but come on, Yeah. let's I, live in reality, and you know what, it's like the person in the supermarket that's on the phone. That's talking so loud you can hear them over, you know, you're in the produce section. You can st- it's like, hey, you know what? 
keep it to yourself, yeah. right? That's like that's like I used, when I was yeah. before Joanne moved out here for two years. I was by coastal, so I'd be at LAX a lot. Same thing, you know. The people sit there, and you're talking on the. You don't have to talk so loud to first of all say that you have this deal going because okay. if you have a deal going, you're probably not going to be talking on your cell phone loudly. You'll probably sit yeah. there, or your agent or manager is going to happen to it. Yeah. And you're, you're an East Coast guy like yeah. me, yeah. And, and it's just it is. I mean, living out here, and you've been out here for a long time. Yeah, it's just it's it's amazing the the crap and it's the people are full of and it's awful and you're right go for your dream but unfortunately you know if you're here you know i mean i'm sorry you know if you have no talent or not you know i mean me yeah. i'm getting new headshots tomorrow right. you know what they're doing character actor i'm literally blind in one eye i'm not saying hey make me look like brad pitt right no, I'm, saying, I'm george clooney yeah i'm no, saying make no. me let's let's accentuate that so i can book stuff and that's yeah. the people don't see the reality no they don't and you know uh Getting back to your point about, you know, if, if you really have something going on, when I was, I was a page at the Letterman show, and I met a lot of people, a lot of celebrities, and it was really funny. The real, the truly successful, the big time people were the coolest. Right. They weren't, they didn't come with an entourage, they didn't, they just showed up and they were just really cool. It was the, kind of the pretenders, the ones that were on the brink that almost had to like, you know, put on a huge show that they were somebody. And I learned a lot from that. In fact, it's funny, one of my favorite stories, and a lot of people can't believe this because a lot of people hate this guy, uh, is I met Mel Gibson way back when, I think he was promoting uh, To Kill a Sunrise. Okay. He came on the show, so he was hot. He was young, big, big, big star. Came in by himself, walked up that hallway by himself, Walked over to me in my little page, you know, my blue blazer, my page alpha with the red tie, white shirt, name tag. He came over and introduced himself, okay? One of the first stars that did that. Said, hi, walked over. On the way in to do his interview, he's like, oh, I'm nervous. Any tips? And I was like, oh, what a nice, cool guy. So then he's leaving. He walks past, goes about 15 feet down the hallway, stops, turns around, and comes over and says, it was very nice meeting you. And I was like, wow. Now, you know, most people hate the guy. My well, that's, that's was, because what happened. I mean, no, yeah. b- before that happened, everyone said how he was just a practical joker and a funny guy. Amazing and- guy. Honestly, I, I, to this day, I still love that guy because I was a young, impressionable guy wanting to get into the industry. Um, and you know what? It doesn't take a lot to just be friendly to people. And I felt, you know, I felt the impact on how that that changed me, and you know, throughout some of my, you know, minor success or whatever I've done, you know, I've always tried to be cool to people, you know, from the PA to whatever, man. And I'll tell you something, it's you know, it doesn't take that much energy to be like, hey, man, what's up? Well, you it's know? funny you say that. It's, I've had a lot of people who have guested on uh, NCIS, and they say the same thing about Mark Harmon. They said, you could not meet a nicer guy. And Mark Harmon's set for life. Yeah. And they said, when you walk onto his set, because it is his set, it's his show, basically. Yeah. Yeah. They said, when you walk on, there's just a feeling, just like everything is wonderful. And he comes up, and he talks, and he tells people, hey, we have a no-ass rule. If you're an ass, you're not going to come back. And he yeah. said, and that, and that makes, and that's what it should be, because then, I mean, how much easier would your job be if everyone was just 
nice. I mean, and, it, and you're right. It doesn't take that much. It's basically saying, hey, how you doing? It's like when I, I, was, I was walking to the gym this morning, and I said to someone, hey, how you doing? And I had headphones on, and they look at me like, oh, oh, oh. And I'm what? Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm just walking to the gym. I, it doesn't look, I didn't look homeless. I was dressed in gym clothes, right, you know? Right, So now, now you're from, you were born in Syracuse, but then you were raised in Westport, Connecticut, right? I grew up in uh, Westport, Connecticut, and um, Salisbury Beach, Massachusetts, because my folks were from... Uh, the northeast up there and over in lawrence and our grandparents would have a beach house for six weeks so we would spend about six seven weeks up there every summer and then as i got older um we rented a house and we'd spend uh, eight weeks and then as i got older it was like the whole summer so isn't that great i mean i used to go to the jersey shore the same way it was so different back there it was when you were a kid and everyone i try to explain to people they go i don't know what's so crazy people go crazy about the, the beach i go well in la it's always beach weather in New Jersey yeah. and in and the thing about Massachusetts and Connecticut is, of the last two years, I feel bad for you guys because every storm you get your ass kicked. I mean, it always misses New Jersey. Yep. We get three inches. Boston, we got twenty feet. I my mean, sister just got. My sister just sent me some, texted me some photos. She's up in Massachusetts, outside of Boston. Oh God, two two and a half feet of snow. It's unbelievable. Now it's sunny today, but they got pounded. Yeah, it's, it just happens all the yeah. time. So now, now you went to University of Rhode Island. Yeah. Now you you were you got into the broadcasting there. I did. Yeah, I started my uh, my broadcasting career there. I did. Um, I always wanted to be a sportscaster, so I did uh, the football and basketball games on the radio. And um, you know, I was always told you have a face for radio. And I was like, yeah. what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you're so a handsome guy. Oh, you host thanks. stuff. Come fishing. on. I'm fishing. I'm fishing. I have a face for radio. Come <laughs> on now. Um, so I started there, and um, it was really great. But when I uh, and here's an interesting thing is because I started my career there, um, and got about ten years ago, 2004, um, the alumni magazine did a story on me. Uh, because I was doing Planet's Funniest Animals. I had, you know, decent amount of success. People, you know, they, they ran that show every day, like seven times a day, all over the world. So um, I had a, kind of a little bit of fame, whatever. But And they found out that I did... Um, fundraising and volunteer work for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And I which, did, which, by the way, my girlfriend is a volunteer, and she's actually doing a... Uh, something this Saturday and she just did an unveiling last week. It is a fantastic, uh, fantastic organization. I did it for about 10 years um, and I'll tell you about it, what, why I stopped but um, I lost a couple kids that I became close with. They died and it was very, it was heart-wrenching for me. It was just a heart, I mean, just gut-wrenching where, you know, a lot of these children live um, but, you know, a couple of these, these, you know, a couple of them got healthy and then they ended up passing away and it just killed me. But so I started to work more in the fundraising and I had a bowling event that I created and raised. Well, the president uh, at URI said, you know what? Here's a guy that's doing what he wants to do in life, started his career here. He makes a difference in the world. I want him to be our commencement speaker. And I gave the commencement speech uh, 2004, and I'm an, I have an honorary doctorate of the arts. So I'd like to be called doctor. Okay, doctor. For the rest of the interview. Doctor Galant. <laughs> uh, hey, doctor. No, see, that's so awesome. And that's always like, and you know, and it's funny because you are in the entertainment field. And I think all of us, and I went to a small school in New Jersey called Richard Stockton College. And I had something I would love to do. I mean, the commencement speech is one of the biggest things. And for you, because it was great, because 
not it wasn't just because you had a uh, modicum of success, but because you made a difference and you followed. I mean, your major, of course, my major was business, so I couldn't go and go, hey, uh, just uh, the hell with your degree. But I think, yeah. I think, but you know, this in college, I mean, a lot of us, unless you're doing a broadcasting, unless you're doing acting, I think everyone else, we just say, okay, we'll do business. And when you get out, you wing it. And that's the yeah. thing, but that's what's great because it was always, for me, it was always the experience of college. It was living on campus. Oh, I loved it. And loved you, it. you grew up. You sat there instead of oh. being, you know, you go and being a punk, you know, when you're 18, you got a little punk and you go in there and you get out and you're still a punk, but you're a mature punk. Right. I went in uh, super shy, uh, really quiet, and I came out... Uh Kind of nuts. Well, of course. <laughs> now, you said, it's funny, you said about the, uh, you want to be a sports announcer, because that was one of my dreams when I was yeah. younger. Did you, like, follow sports in, like, crazily when you were a kid? I, I did. I, um, you know, I played sports. Uh, I played baseball. Um, I wanted to play football, but I wasn't very big when I got to high school, so I started, I became a runner, ran cross country, ran track. Um, you know, but I played sports. I played tackle football in the yard. I played intramural basketball, much to the chagrin of my track coach. Uh, but I just loved it. I mean, I just ate up Sports Illustrated every week. Uh, and back then, there wasn't ESPN. And so for me, when I get out of school, I look like I was about 12. Uh, there was nowhere. They didn't have ESPN back then. That's how old I am. And I uh, couldn't yeah, I couldn't land a job because I looked so young. I had no authority. Right. But I went to New York and became a page, and that job changed my life. So it was how, did, how did you become the – I mean, when you went – okay, when you go to New York – were you focusing, did you say, I want to be a page because you know it was the context, or did you just move to New York saying, why did you move to New York? What was your passion to move to New York? Well, basically, I got a, I graduated, couldn't get a job in TV. I was living at home, and I love my mom and dad. Living at home, spending my weekends up in Rhode Island with all my college buddies. Couldn't get a job in TV. Didn't want to give up my dreams. So I was working at the YMCA, which sucked, if I can say that. Uh, all my friends were in business, so they had jobs, and they were making 60000 or 70000 whatever. And uh, one day, my, uh, you know, I was like, man, I got to do something. So my mom, my dad said, hey, my buddy, this guy I work with, son, is a page. Maybe I can get you an interview. And I saw it as an opportunity to get into the TV business, learn more about it. Uh, and it was much different back then. You know, they didn't have uh, the, you know, the internet with uh, YouTube stars and all these people that are like, posting these things it was a much more difficult trail to blaze to get in the business but i got the job and it changed my life it was an amazing amazing job how did it change your life well i'm most of the people that i'm uh, uh, friends with now or i was friends with then i still have uh four or five close friends from that job i learned what it took to be in this business um i got to go to seoul korea for the olympics for six weeks and got paid um, what did you do there? Just... Uh, I was a I was basically a production assistant. Okay, and that was back when NBC had a, sh a bunch of money. I must swear. You can. It's all right. Okay. Just no f bombs. Okay, they had a shitload of money back in the day, and so not only did I get paid, they paid put me up in Press Village, but they paid me to be a uh, I was a a PA for the uh, volleyball venue, and uh, that's we won the gold medals. Great. Uh, so that. That was a great experience, but for me, it was really kind of like a grad school. I uh, became more of an adult. I learned what it took to be in this industry. It's, you know, it's like 1% of the people make a ton of money. The rest of the people struggle or they're unhappy. Um, and, I, and I would say the relationships, too. 
like one of my best friends now, a couple of my best friends now are from that program. Uh, and I also get to work on the Letterman show, Saturday Night Live. Um, and, you know, you get to see inside. I think right. when you get to see, it's like taking a watch apart. You look inside the watch and go, oh, that's how it works. And when you have knowledge about how something works, I think you're much more prepared. And you realize you can either do it or you can't. And for me, that's what it was really about. It was great. So now you're, you, you're in New York, you're being a page. Now, when you leave the job, do you move to L.A.? Or what made you leave the job? Did you say, you know, I've done this long enough? Well, they had an 18-month rule. And uh, they had a thing in New York. Um, it was the top six pages. Top six pages got, uh, we would get benefits, right? So we got benefits. And I was like, I'm, ta- I'm surfing this out to the eight to- 18 months. Because at the time, I was doing a lot of commercials. Uh, I had, uh, was going out on acting stuff because, you know, comedic. Did you, did you book some commercials? I booked a bunch of commercials. Like for what? Would I, would I, do you remember any of them? One of them that you can still see online was, and it was with uh, Jerry O'Connell, who's a big star. It was a clear silk commercial, and uh, it's called Pizza Face, and that was one of my big spots, and that thing ran for a long time. And back in the day, you could make tons. I made like, I must have made 60,000, 70,000 bucks off that spot. I've heard, yeah, back, people say nationals back then. I know. Oh, back in the day, it was, and, and I, so I was doing that, but I was also working at a sneaker store. Oh, well, anyway, so I left the page program because my time was up. I was going out on hosting stuff. Uh, I'd host, uh, tested for uh, MTV a few times. Didn't get it. Uh, I was doing the commercials. Did some small soap opera stuff. Tested for a, a couple sitcoms. But back when you're in New York, they'd put you on tape. And if you're not in front of a producer, it's different. So for me, um, doing the sneakers, selling sneakers, which was... I love shoes, love sneakers, but it was it was awful because uh, people treat you like an idiot. And you got you to deal with their feet. No, yeah, get, but get, people just treat you like an idiot. It's like, hey, just because I'm working here doesn't mean I'm an idiot. Um, and then I worked at a sports bar for a couple years, and uh, I got my big uh, my big break was I did uh, two shows on MTV. I did their first live show, which was called Hanging with MTV. I was the news guy, and I'd never read a teleprompter before. And it was horrifying. What's it hard? Because I, I did a, I did an audition, and I just said I knew the teleprompter. And it was, for, I guess, I don't know. For me, it wasn't that rough. I mean, it was just something reading. I think it was just the timing. And I read one before. Like, you know, I took Marky's class years ago. Jeff said, oh, you got to take the class. So, Which I started with Marky, by the way. Uh, yeah, and I, I, yeah. you started the class? I started. I wish I would have stayed with it with her because that's she makes a ton of money well i did the class because i knew jeff and he said do it for free and i I went in and uh and i read off the teleprompter but yeah but it's uh, different when you're it's here's where it's challenging um when you have uh if you're just in a room and it's quiet right for me it was we had we're in the studio we had a live band and those guys were always trying to mess me up we had a live audience right over here and i'd never read prompter and um I'm a little bit dyslexic. Okay. So I had a little bit of fear. And you know if you get any fear, you're, you're going to be tight. And right. I was a little tight. But I look back and I was such a great experience. And that show lasted about six months. And then what was the other MTV show you did? It was called um, Like We Care. And it was um, a daily teen magazine show. So I hosted two shows. Uh, it was fantastic. Unfortunately, both got canceled. And... Um, I learned my first very difficult lesson about the business uh, when I was there. 
it was just uh well of just because they got canceled is it well they both shows got canceled um they had asked me if i wanted to be um the next kurt loader or a, a vj and of course i wanted to be a vj because vjs are cool in fact they were so cool that's oh, what was, that, was a, that was a great gig i was, was like great but it was cool you get a personality and quite frankly i liked music and no one liked kevin seal yes <laughs> i don't, no I don't remember him sporting fool but he was very funny <laughs> And uh, Dan Cortez was huge back then. He was doing sports. Um, but I learned my, my lesson was, they said, okay, you can either do this or do this. I said, oh, I want to do, I want to be a VJ. So I said, all right, well, we'll do this. We'll start you off overnight. It's like, okay. So I went down to the studio one day, and that's before we were in Times Square. We were over in like, uh, like Hell's Kitchen in this, this place. And I went in, and I walk in. I had to pick up some wardrobe that was there. And I see this cute black-haired, curly black hair, big black rim glasses, She's walking around. I'm like, hey, what's up? I go, hey, I'm Matt. She goes, hi, I'm Kennedy. I go, hey, Kennedy. You know who Kennedy is. Yeah. She was awesome. She's great. She's like, I go, what are you doing? She goes, well, I'm the new overnight VJ. And I was like, oh, really? Right. Oh, wow. And that's how I found out that it wasn't me. So they didn't, they didn't tell you. They just no. Oh, that's crazy. And I unfortunately, here's a lesson I learned. I got upset about it rather than being cool. And I said some things I shouldn't. And you don't. In this business, you don't do that. And I kind of popped off a little bit. I was upset. And you don't because there were some executives who, you know, these executives don't just stay at one place. They go other places. So I learned a very valuable lesson, you know, and uh, I let my Irish get up and get a little upset about it. But yeah, I never, they know, no one told me. So my contract just played out and I moved to L.A. So you moved to L.A. now to pursue the acting or what did you, what did you come to L.A.? Did you want to host or what did you come to L.A. to pursue? Uh, to, you know, to host, but also to do the acting. I had, um, uh, I, I I think I'm a pretty good uh, comedic actor, you know? Unfortunately, for me, you know, I got close on some things, but you know, they didn't happen, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with my strength. And where uh, a lot of my history was, or a lot of my, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, my success was, it was in the hosting end of it. And my resume was stronger, um, than it was as an actor. And a lot of the things I was going in for, uh, I was going up against these people that have been acting since, I mean, since they were kids. Right. And I'm like, come on, don't send me in for that. I want to be the quirky next door neighbor. I want to be the friend. Don't send me in for a lead. I'm not, I don't want to go up against like, I, like a young Adam Sandler or a so-and-so. That's no, let's be realistic. No, you're not that category. And I was like, all right. Um, Isn't it funny how they choose categories? Like, it sits there, it's like, okay, as we talked earlier about, yeah, I'm not going to be a leading man. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, being a quirky neighbor, okay, you know what? Anyone could be, I mean, you know, if you see people who are quirky neighbors, I mean, look at Jeffrey Tambor. You know, he yeah. plays it, and then he turns on, and he just kills it on Transparent. But when he's the quirky neighbor, when, when on the Ropers, I mean, when that show, on the Ropers, he was he was great, and even on yeah. uh, Larry Sanders. And it's so funny, because I'm sure somewhere said, oh, you know, you know, it's just, it's so weird how they, they pigeonhole you in something. Yeah. And they probably go, you just, and you're probably like, well, and it's not like, it's, it's not like you're asking to be a leading man. You're saying, I, I don't want to be the, I don't want to, yeah. I'm not that guy. Yeah. Just, you know what? Cause <laughs> I had cool long hair back then and I wasn't that guy. And it, you know, I was always trying to, like, I knew my limitations. I really did. 
And, you know, I think one of the things that comes into play out here, especially in entertainment, is, you know, you get rejected enough, right? You, I think people tend to start to close up a little bit. They're not as free. But success liberates you. It gives you the confidence to keep going. And I think that was one of the challenges for me as an actor. I was just like, man, I'm sick of getting close and not getting it. I'm just going to focus on the hosting because I love that. Um, what do you love about hosting? Well, I mean, the game has changed a lot. Uh, I love the fact that you can be who you are. You can have your opinion. And uh, it's it's really, you know, for me, years ago, it was very easy. Oh. Uh-oh. That was my, I had my phone on there. You hear that? It sounds like a whale. It was like, oh, oh, that was a whale's telling me. Whale's it wasn't that easy, Matt. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, the thing about hosting is you can be you. You go into a situation, you're given a roadmap, and you just you just run with it. So you're so you're out here, and you're auditioning for hosting. What's your first first host gig you got out here? My first host gig out here was, well, I was doing stuff for ESPN. And now, which was good for you because you were a sports I fan. I love sports. Yeah, I was doing one. I was doing some uh, correspondence stuff for ESPN. Um, like what? I mean, were you like there was a show on there? That's how old it was. Scholastic Sports America was a big show. And uh, Chris Fowler was the host of it. So I was doing some stuff for them. And um, so I was doing little stuff there. And then I was doing a show with them called, um, it was a precursor to the X Games. It was ESPN2's version of MTV Sports. It was me and this gorgeous fitness model named Kiana Tom. And we traveled all over the country doing all these extreme sports. It was awesome. That must have been great. I mean, because you're, so you're, you're getting to see the country. Yeah. You're getting to travel. You're not paying to travel. You're not paying for your hotels. I mean, <clears throat> how long did that last? Uh, that show was, I think we lasted a, uh, uh, one, one whole season. What were some of the best places you liked going when you were in that show? Do you remember? Some of the things just you said, wow, this is just a cool area. Um, gosh, we, I love going to Miami. Miami was fun. Um, I, we went all over. The thing, I'm, I'm, the reason I remember Miami is that this this woman, Kiana Tom, was just knockout. Oh my gosh, she was just gorgeous. So all the meatheads loved her. And we were shooting this thing one time. We're on the beach. We're, we're doing our thing. And, you know, you, you kind of, you, you know when you feel something's coming your way? So we're talking and... These, these knuckleheads were playing catch with a football down the beach. So they threw it at her to get her attention. And thankfully, I just was like, and I just turned and put my hand up. Thing would have hit me square in the face. Literally would have probably broken my, my nose and everything. And that's why I remember that because she was horrified. Oh, my God. And I was like, it's fine. It's you know, I play sports. Who gives a shit? You know, who cares? But that's why I loved Miami. Um, God, we went everywhere. But I just love the fact that I love to participate, and we get to do all kinds of cool stuff, like street luging. You got to actually do it. I get to do a lot of stuff, yeah. Skydiving was pretty cool. So I, I wouldn't do that. I, I don't think I could skydive. I, mean, I got to be honest with you. I'm a, I have kind of a little bit of a fear of heights. Me too. So. And um, you can see in the video, I don't have it anymore, but I literally had my hands locked into the door. <laughs> but I was hooked onto a guy, so it was a tandem jump. Okay. But the guy's like, let go. And I'm like, no. And so I was literally dangling outside this plane, and I could. But as soon as I did, it was awesome. So liberating to be, uh, anytime you conquer a fear, I was like, yeah. I did another time. 
What was scary though was bungee jumping. That's scary because you just hang there. Like like at least when you when you skydive, you jump out, and once the once the chute opens, I think I think that's everyone's fear the chute not, not opening. Not opening. 100%, once yeah. it opens, then you go. Ah. Hey, you know, it's like when you fly. Once you one, I used to hate flying, but then when I did it a lot, I was fine with it. Once you get once you're in the seat, and I always think that people get people get so up uptight when they're flying mm-hmm. for the fact that. I think it's a lot of times is you go to the airport, you go, did I forget something? Did I forget something? And the funny thing is, unless you're going to a third world country, you, buy you can go to a mall and get a pair of socks. Exactly. But once you're in the seat, and for me, once I'm in the air, running in the air, you're, it's fine. I think with skydiving, it's the same thing. Once the, I mean, you never hear about someone, you hear the chute didn't open. You never hear the chute opened, then all of a sudden got a hole in it. You never uh, hear that. Yeah. So the thing with bungee jumping though, you think once you jump, not only now are you down, but then you're coming back up, and then you get back down and up, and that's what's scary. You'd be surprised, though. The thing about skydiving that I learned is um, once you're out of the plane, you don't have the sensation of falling. Okay. You really don't, because you're floating, kind of. And the wind's going. Now, if you look down, and you, or you look at, there's another skydiver, you can see that you're both, you know, descending to the earth. The thing about bungee jumping is you're falling. You're doing something that your body's like, no, don't jump. And then you jump and you're like, ah. And uh, we did a uh, thing for ESPN2. It was called the Bungee Jump. It was this big bungee jumping contest. It was up in Northern California. It was for my show. Okay. And we went up there and it was a bunch of college kids who taped a diving board over this bridge, 200 feet over, ready? The California River, 200 feet. But the production company was was good, and I walked onto that bridge, and I was like, "Oh man, something's not right. This is not good." And I'm an intuitive guy, and I was like freaking out, and not out of fear about jumping. I was like, "Something's not right." Well, it didn't help that there was like a case of empty sitting right over right, there. Right. I'm like, "These, I'm gonna get on the dive. I'm gonna have these idiots hook me up to this thing and jump." Anyway, um, in order for the show to the guys like, "You got to jump." I'm like, "I don't want to jump. I've done it before. I don't want to do it." Well, I did it much to the screen and it looked great well guess what got up no problem next day kid died died they didn't find his body for like two months or two weeks that's nuts i mean yeah. yeah he was trying to do a stunt they did i think a sandbag thing where they one guy that way the sandbag worked i guess is uh two people on the cord they jump hit the water one guy releases and the other guy shoots up really high well, halfway down, I guess the guy hit his head on the, the weight of the bun, whatever they had on there, and let go and fell 200 feet. They didn't find him. That's crazy. But I knew. It was, you know, yeah. It's, I haven't done it since. I haven't sky a, a, a bungee jump since, and it was just like, okay, I've kind of done it. It's like, yeah, yeah it's, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So, so what happens after the ESPN stuff? I mean, when, when do you start? You, you get, that's done now. When do you start getting out of sports and getting to the other? Uh, so the ESPN, I, I love ESPN. I would love to work for them uh, again. What ended up happening was from there, so I did that. What else did I do? I did a bunch of like little little hosting things here and there, and then I uh, auditioned for the Planet's Funniest Animals. Now, was that something that do you like pets, or did you sit there? Did someone well, say this is a great gig? Or I look at I love animals. Okay, I'm gonna ask you something real quick. I'm gonna interrupt. Okay. And I I, I, I posted on this on Facebook today. And uh, I'm an animal lover. We don't have animals right now, but you know, my girlfriend had a dog and a cat. I had one time three cats. I had two cats. And I don't know if you've seen this GoDaddy commercial. I haven't seen it yet, but okay. I heard about it. Now, 
I'm someone who I, I like animals. You know, I, mm. I would never be mean. If someone was mean to an animal, it, it, yeah. it, I, I hate it. I mean, I didn't. I I'm an Eagles it. fan. I was like, screw Michael Vick. You know, I, I yeah. like, you know, just that thing. I don't understand it either. Yeah. And this commercial is funny. I'm sorry. I, the whole thing is, you know, it, it's funny. And now because of all this backlash, they've pulled it. And what it's funny is when there's, you know. Danica Stewart walking or, or whatever Danica Patrick walking around in a bikini. All these girls walking on bikinis. Like, go to our website. You're going to see. You know, yeah. that's fine. But the pet and the funny thing is, everyone's like, oh, this dog breeders are awful. And it's like it's comedy. And I mean, as, as you know, for you, you love pets and you run a pet show. Is it is it that insulting to you? I mean, here's the commercial. I'll, I'll tell you I exactly what happens. It, yeah, they show that this uh, this dog. Uh, they separate these two dogs or something, and then the dog, or no, the dog falls off. It's whatever happens, and it crosses the country, and they show like you know it's going through like the the water. But it's funny because it's a cute little dog. So he's like kind of trying to work his way back. Yeah, and he works his way back, and when he works his way back, they go, "Oh, great, we just sold you dog breed," and it's and it's Go Daddy. Oh, but it's I mean it's not. It's almost like Lassie comes home. Right, but yeah. but they sell. But for me. It's the humor, and if you, it's Go Daddy, when does Go Daddy have had the serious commercial? Never. And the thing is, people were so uptight. These and, and the funny thing is, a lot of these animal lovers, I think, who are uptight, aren't really animal lovers. It's like some people, you know, these people who were protesting on, you know, with uh, in downtown LA when the Michael Brown thing happened. Yeah. A lot of them were just like comics, I know. And if you sat there and you talked to them, it's like you know, you grew up in a rich, rich neighborhood. Yeah. You know, what do you know about the thing? I just laughed at that because I mean, it was funny because it's just it's so funny how people just went crazy and they pulled the ad. I know. Here's the thing, I um. Here's how I look at it. I haven't seen it, but uh, like my website is on GoDaddy, um, Galant.com. and I uh, I did an interview with one of their head engineers last year up, up in because they're out of Scottsdale. Okay, and uh, super cool, super great people. I think what it comes to is this: I think people are always looking for something to rally around or bitch about. I don't believe in, in cruelty to animals. I don't believe in cruelty to human beings. If it's supposed to be funny, eh, you know, I mean, so so my thing is, look, I love pets. I'm super allergic to cats and some dogs. And people would freak out when I would tell them that. They'd be like, you're the what? animal guy. I'm like, time out. I go, listen, I'm just, I, I hope it's a video show. We're just doing the videos. I love pets. Of course, I had a dog growing up. I love animals. I love animals. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> What's funny is they've gotten more free advertising from this than they would have gotten. I go through GoDaddy, too. CooperTalk.net and uh, and StopTheSalt.com, my new website coming out. Uh, but no, I like it because they're cheap. You go on. They're nice. My girlfriend built her website, JoanneSpeaksOut.com. Uh, no, she built her website through that and she doesn't really know a lot I mean she knows computer stuff but she built a basic website and yeah. it was great and when you yeah. call them they're there they're, yeah. she, they're, they're mm-hmm. always there like then they sit and they you know they go yeah. through it yeah. so, so okay well we're gonna go back so you audition the, the animal thing how'd that come up did someone so I was with um, uh, actually I'm still with them CMEG my manager Marky Costello who is like um, the big hosting manager oh, she's there. yeah she's nuts but she's great um, she had a reality show. Yeah, I yeah I didn't watch it. You weren't on any episodes. No, I was yeah. not. That's why I didn't watch it. I was bitter that she didn't put me on any episodes. I'm like, I'm your first client. Why aren't I on the show? Exactly. But that's okay. God works in mysterious ways. Uh, now, I, yeah, I watch a show. I think she's fantastic. Um, so basically, what happened was they're like, oh, they're doing this show. I said, oh, I'd love to go. I, said, oh, I love animals. It's a good hosting gig. And at the time, uh, Marky had a partner. 
And I said, well, you know, they're, they're talking about no residuals or anything. He's like, look, this thing ain't going to last more than a season. Don't worry about it. I'm like, yeah, why not? Well, go in. Horrible audition. I was awful. I don't just know. Just off the queue. Well, just... now they made me wear a suit and tie, and he put me in a suit and tie. I'm just not, I wasn't free. I was like, Ugh. I was very stiff. Well, you know, thankfully I had a great demo tape, um, and uh, I get to go back, and I get the job. And I ended up doing five seasons of it. And uh, it was uh, it was awesome. Uh, Brad Lockman Productions did it. A uh, bunch of really wonderful people. Uh, Bill Bracken and Brad, they're just really great people. And um, Billy Crystal's brother uh, wrote a lot of the jokes. But I caught more crap about the cheesy jokes. Well, I think, you know, oh, they were so cheesy. And I'm like, dude, I don't write the jokes. I just deliver them. Well, you know what's funny about that? And I've talked to people about this, you know, writing bad comedy because you, you're writing cheesy and, and they know they don't, and they have to bring in a very good joke writer to yeah. write cheesy because and he's really good yeah, yeah you have to sit there and you have to go and I'll do that on, on Twitter sometimes I'll just write some cheesy joke like you know yeah. hey I went to a great concert it was uh, Meatloaf the Cranberries and Corn it was a TV dinner concert you yeah know, stupid stuff but that stuff you have to actually think about and that's what's funny is you and you guys get the backlash because oh. a lot of people watch it and think a lot. I think a lot of those people watch these shows and they think you're just like Making it up off your head, like they, oh, yeah. they watch it and go. They wouldn't even let me write the jokes. And like we have a writer, and he was just—he was a really brilliant guy. And uh, I love doing that. Um, in fact, I got who was the actor? A friend of mine was a big is a big manager, and um, I think it was Billy Crudup. Is that how you say his name? The actor? Crudup. Yeah, Crudup. Crudup. Billy Crudup. And I love that guy. He's a great actor. And he said to her one time, "Oh my God, I love that show, Planet's Funniest Animals. I love that guy because anybody that can deliver that crap." And still make it sound like legit. He's well, and I was like, oh, that's quite a compliment. Well, yeah, it's true because you, yeah. you have to sit there. And the thing is, that's the worst. I mean, that's when you're talking about people with no talent. When there's people who are comics who think what they've written is funny. And you sit there and you watch it and go, yeah. that's not funny. But for you, you're sitting there going, God, this isn't funny. And the difference is millions of people are seeing you and they're sitting there. So now from that, now you said people didn't always recognize you. They recognize your voice. But did you get a lot of like pet lovers getting in contact yeah, with I you? Did. I, yeah, I did. I would do some volunteer work for a lot of pet organizations um, and uh, and really try to get involved in that community. Uh, so that was really, I, I got to tell you, it was great. You know, the, the flip side to that is I became the Animal Planet guy. Face of Animal Planet? Well, I was the Animal Planet guy and it, I mean, the upside was I loved it. Uh, I get to be in the Macy's Day Parade twice. Which what was, was that like? Awesome. Oh, my God. So you were on a float. You were on a yeah, float. I was on a float with uh, Jeff Corwin. Um, and he, uh, we, got, we stood on top of an alligator. A real a live alligator? No, it was this giant float. Okay. No, because I'm thinking, because you never know. You don't, no, you a giant float. And uh, it was, having grown up on the East Coast in Connecticut and in Massachusetts, uh, the Macy's Day Parade was a staple. I used to watch it all the time. Especially as a young kid, because there's Santa. Right. Christmas is here. I just used to love. I loved it, and for me, it was like a dream come true to stand on this thing, and you would not believe the masses of humanity lined up, and I've got pictures from on top of this thing back before they were digital. Now, yeah, now I get them on my computer, but it was just uh, such an amazing, amazing experience, and the energy was. Everyone was like, "Yeah!" And one year, I remember the last year I did it was. Um, it's the Baja men who let the dogs out? Yeah. Dude, try hearing that track for like three hours. They were on your float? They were on my float, so oh. they just kept running the track. <laughs> who, who, 
who let the dogs out. I'm like, God, I wish somebody would let these guys out. Right. Get them <laughs> off the float. Ugh. But uh, so when I hear that show, it brings back fond. Me- I mean, that song it brings back fond memories. So it was great. So after that show, the show ran for five years. Now it just it runs course, or well, uh, uh, yeah, let's just say it ran its course. And um, it was one of those things, though, where because they ran it heavy rotation. That was back when Animal Planet's programming was a little softer. Now it's all like Animal Hospital, and it's weird. But it's other stuff. That's animal like, it's Cops. Like, it's yeah. like hillbilly stuff, like yeah, re- redneck stuff. It's like everyone does that though. It's like you sit there and they change it. Where I mean, look at MTV. I mean, you start now. Uh-huh. MTV is like, hey, here's Teen Mom. Hey, yeah. let's say here's a. It's weird, but I uh, they ran that thing in such heavy rotation, and they ran it all over the world. They still run it all over. The world. I don't get a penny for any of that stuff, but it's okay. I'm not complaining. I still have people. I had a friend of mine who was in. Um, Malaysia, I think. Was it Malaysia? Or maybe it was uh, Taiwan. Anyway, he was in this big high-rise having a, at a bar having drinks with his buddy. And it was one of these cities in the Far East where they were projecting stuff on the building, like TV. And he said, I turned around and I freaking saw your face and almost threw up. <laughs> I'm like halfway across the world and there's your big-ass head, like 50 stories on this building. And I'm like, ugh. Uh, but they played all over, and it's, uh, you know, for me, it was great because it really helped with my uh, volunteering with the Make a Wish Foundation because the kids were like, oh my God. Now, how'd you choose that uh, charity that, that to, to donate your time to? How did you choose Make a Wish? Was there just something that you saw you thought it was good? I just thought it was a good, I, I just, you know, with the kids being sick and just, you know, I don't want to say helpless, but just uh they were such they don't, a, they don't know their future and, they and, don't, and, yeah. they, and it makes their i mean that's funny because i've heard uh john Cena is very very involved in that different people that are very involved that you wouldn't think are involved i heard bieber's very involved he does a lot of wishes and you'd be surprised most of these big stars and i was doing a lot of this celebrity wish granting which uh as a volunteer i would take them to to see these celebrities and a lot of them keep it on the down low and one of the coolest guys uh, and you, you don't hear a lot of pos- he doesn't get a lot of press about this and he does it on purpose was Jim Carrey Jim Carrey hosted I remember he hosted oh god 10, 20 families over at Universal big pizza party took pictures with all the kids spent time with all these kids but one of his rules was you gotta leave your cameras at home we'll take photos with our photographer a lot of these big time celebrities do it and they just do it for the right reasons like I did it I did it selfishly for me. Right. I did it not not for PR. I don't give a crap about that. It was more for me. And and I used to get so offended when people were like, you're doing it just for PR. I'm like, dude, I'm not. Nobody knows who I am. I mean, the kids did. Uh, but I didn't do it so I'm like, hey, pat me on the back. No. Have you ever been to the uh, castle back east? They have like this new, it's a, my, my girlfriend will be there. It's, a, it's her headquarters. It's in North Jersey. And they bring families there. And it's, it's a castle. Like oh, it, no, it, I've never giant. been to that. And she said, you go in there. It's when we first started dating. She sent me pictures from the outside. And it's in the middle of, like, middle of Central Jersey or North Jersey. And it's, as she said, it's a castle. And the wow. kids go there. And it's just the families go there. And it, it, besides doing their event, you know. It's kind of like a hotel. And they, do they stay there? No, they just go like for a day. And like there's different stuff. And it's, it's pretty amazing. amazing. Well, the thing about Make-A-Wish a lot of people don't realize is not all the kids die. Right. It's life-threatening illness. And the thing that I learned is uh, the strength that these kids have is mind-boggling. The spirits that they have, 
I'm going to start crying. Um, where they're just so filled with hope and, you know, trusting that they're going to beat this thing, whatever they have. And uh, to me, that was really inspiring. You know, because, you know, this entertainment business could be just shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, well, it's, it's, everyone's it's, phone. I mean, it's, it's, it's dark and it's like, people, you know what? People are going to look at you and say, oh, we love you. That's like I was thinking. And it's the, not true. Half yeah, the time. I, I was thinking the other day. I was thinking actually yesterday morning because me and my ex-wife had lived in San Diego years ago. And I always think that if, if you were, you, of course, you want to move from back east because it's cold. If you're moving out west. And I run into people in LA who aren't in the entertainment business. And I always think, why the hell would you pick LA oh. if you aren't in like, You could go to San Diego, which is beautiful, and it's like, yeah. and the rent's comparable now. And it's like, I don't understand why people move here unless it's someone who's. Unless a, you're in the business. It's like moving to Washington, D.C. if you're not in yeah, politics. It's just crazy. What's the point? So now I want, I want to talk about, we have, we have about 15 minutes left. Okay. I, I want to talk about your, uh, your sculpturing. You said you, now how, now you said you have a show Saturday. I have a show on Saturday. Uh, I've been sculpting for, oh gosh, I started back in 2002. What made you get into sculpturing? Did you want a hobby or did you find, did you, are you artistic to start? It, well, here's funny. My dad's a painter. Okay. And he painted all the time. I never really, I've got a little ADHD, whatever you call it. So I, I couldn't really focus on painting. Um, but the thing I liked about sculpture is, you know, hands on. It's a physical thing. You're using, you know, your hands, your brain. You're creating something out of basically nothing. And the story goes this way. I used to drive past this place in Santa Monica called the um, Brentwood Art Center. And every time I drove past it, something inside was like, oh, because they have sculptures in the windows. Oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. And I didn't do it for like five years. And then one day I was like, you know, I'm going to do it. So I went in and met this amazing artist, teacher, Jonathan Bickert. Uh or Bick Hart, and um, he opened his own studio in um, Santa Monica back in 2003, I think, and he ran it for about 11 years, and he recently it closed down a couple years ago. But I would go every Wednesday night, and uh, we would sculpt, it was a party, people would drink wine, we had food, played rock music, and this guy was one of the most intr instrumental uh, male figures in my life, because he was just, uh, you, know, you know, the artist, like a Burning Man dude, but just really, um, I don't want to say unleashed because it sounds so like dramatic. Unleashed. He unleashed my creative uh, passion for for sculpture. So it was great. Yeah, I loved it, man. And I hadn't didn't haven't done it, and uh, I really haven't gotten it. I haven't done it for the last couple of years because I, I had moved to Phoenix to host that show, and I just get back. And oddly enough, I hadn't seen Jonathan in like. Two Wait, years. which show in Phoenix? I was in this show called The List. Okay. On the uh, Scripps Network, it was an entertainment magazine daily that was supposed to be syndicated. That's what they told us anyway. Get us to move there. And uh, we only ended up in eight cities. And uh, it was great, though. Great people. So I lived in Phoenix uh, for two years. I just moved back in September. Phoenix is nice. I, we, me and my girlfriend went to see. Oh, it's great. We went to the Eagles Cardinals game. Oh, it's nice. Yeah, and that stadium's beautiful. Stadium's great. The people, fans, the fans are wonderful. People are just great there. And you know what's nice? It's it's just a such a different place than here. And so I got a two year respite, and I uh, was able to work with some really cool folks. Uh, it was fun. So I, did, I haven't sculpted really much since, but ironically, I'm trying to do a. An art show with a buddy of mine I play baseball with, who's a Discovery. Uh, he, he's a development guy at Discovery, and we're we've been playing baseball for like ten years. 
uh, and we recently were trying to shoot this pilot for this art show about art, but it'd be fun, hip show. And oddly enough, I hadn't seen my art teacher in over three years, Jonathan. I ran into him at the shoot. It's fantastic. And so I'm in this show. It's uh, Saturday in Culver City from 6 to 10 at the whole Nine Yards um, Gallery. Um, yeah, and I got four pieces in there and four bronzes. Now, what, what, okay, now you say bronzes. So how do you make a bronze and what are they of? Um, are they, I mean, is there something you make or is it just abstract? Or is no, it- well, basically, all, um, I'll, I'll do this quickly. Here goes. Basically, here's what it is. Uh, you start out of clay. Make something out of clay. Um, and then if you want to follow through and make a bronze, you have to then get a mold made. So it's a very expensive process. So your pieces better be kick-ass, you know? Right. Or you're dropping a couple thousand to make a bronze. So my pieces are impressionistic figures. Uh, the three pieces that are going to be, you can find them on my website, too. Um, MattGallant.com. G-A-L-L-A-N-T. Thank you, yeah. And uh, I have... Uh, Four pieces that I really love. My favorite piece is called Faith, and it's um, it's it's a figure that I made out of my head of a, a person praying. That's like my showpiece. A lot of people love that piece. I have another piece of uh, it's called actually Peace, and it's um, a man in meditation, but it looks like a a bowl. Uh, another piece I have is a pregnant woman, which kind of almost looks like a. a Again, it's like a, it looks like an African um, uh, fertility goddess. And then the third piece I call Connection, which is from our class where we had a couple together standing there. And um, I call it Connection, and it's of a man and a woman. But it's very um, – my pieces are very smooth. Um, they don't have a lot of uh, facial – they don't have any facial detail. So it's it's very smooth, a lot of movement, a lot of energy. So those four pieces will be there on, on Saturday. Now, when people go to the show, can they buy the pieces? Yeah, they're for sale. Okay. Oh my God, I'm hoping. So what's a piece of that go for? What do you what do you what do you what are you selling piece for? What's what's the cost of the piece? Uh, the faith piece, because it is a bronze, uh, it's going for about four grand. Wow. The uh, other t- the 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 it's it's a bigger piece. The uh, piece smaller one. Oh God, how much do we have it for? I was like uh, under a thousand, right. and that's just the cost to make it. But these are like, and then the the pregnant woman and the um, the couple, they're marked, at, they're listed at about four. But it's with art, we've got a lot of flexibility, and uh, it's actually for a good cause too. It's for the peace project, so a big percentage of these sales is going to the peace project. Um, and Lisa Schultz is the woman is who who runs the. Um, organization and the art gallery the whole nine yards in, in culver city we're gonna have a dj we're gonna have food wine okay. cooper you gotta come out uh, bring your lady if you're you in know town. you know what i i would oh here we go no but we always we have our we have a super bowl party sunday and we have to get prepped for that because you know how women are she goes crazy she makes she makes like 80 meatballs dude hold on time out wait i'm a pats fan i'm gonna be in this show I'm gonna. Well, okay, I get. We got, you know, and, she, right, and, right. and actually, she has to do a wish on Saturday. 
Oh, in the day. All right, I give. So, it, I'm okay. waving it. The wish is, else I would come. I would actually because I love going to this stuff. I, I had a guest on one time. I didn't go to see his uh, show. He left my name at his door, and he's like, the, "My name at the door," and he's like, yeah. and "He came on after." He goes, "You never came to the show." And I, it's like, hard though. I said, can I tell you? Oh, you get so much, then you get busy, and then you get busy. And can I tell you the traffic and the driving and all that stuff? But let me tell you where this place is called the Whole Nine Gallery, thirty eight thirty Main Street in Culver City, and that's here in California. Lisa Schultz. So we have uh, we have about eight minutes left. I always tell people I want to talk to you about the Patriots. You're a big Patriots. Oh, fan. Pats, baby! What, and the thing is, it's so funny. I um, I don't like the Patriots because they beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl. I was there. But, I was at that game. Were you? Okay. Yeah, but I got to say, when when you guys lost to the Giants, <laughs> no, what we were, I told people, everyone, because I like there's like thirty people that came over, and I said. If you Giants fans, you got to sit on because we live on a the townhouse, and you got to sit yeah. on the patio. Because I even though I don't like the Patriots, there's no way in hell I want. Oh, yeah, I want to hate the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. and I was like, I told people, I said, if the Cowboys had made the Super Bowl, I said we're not having a party. Someone says, you're why? Why you paying a ticket? I said, no, because people aren't going to come to my house and eat any of my food if they root for the Cowboys. It's like the I hate the Broncos. I hate the Ravens. Yeah, I hate them. So, so what's what's your whole whole take on this Deflate Gate? I mean, I, look, here's what. I, oh, um, let me tell you my my vibe on this. Okay. Two weeks before the Super Bowl, I love ESPN. I watch it nonstop. They are fishing, dying to find stories. And Mort coming out with this report. Now I've read a story that um, the guy from uh, NBC Sports um, said, the difference was never two PSI. It was one. And that's a huge difference. One PSI difference in in these balls. Okay. Mort went out. He started this witch hunt. People hate the Pats anyway because they win. People hate Tom Brady because he's married to Giselle. He's a tall, good-looking guy. People hate Belichick, okay? I can see that. I, I like Brady, but right. I, Belichick's Belichick, smug. He's, he's, he's smug, smug, but you know, I mean... He's a guy that if he was your coach, you'd like him. Right. But if he's another spy coach, Gate, Look, at, he did the Spygate, and guess what? Everybody was doing that. He got caught. Yeah. And and my vibe is this. Uh it's, it's, it's like yellow journalism, man. You're just trying to stir up something so you get something to talk about. Now they're coming out and saying, well, guess what? The referees never even used a gauge. They just looked at him, squeezed him, they said they're fine. And the guy they have, they caught going in a room, he went into a bathroom for 90 seconds. There is no way he could underinflate those balls in 90 seconds to the proper PSI. It's just, it just drives me nuts. Go on YouTube and look up the Jimmy Kimmel sketch on that last <laughs> night. A kid, go, he has his kid going in with the balls, and all of a sudden they have him putting in his shirt like their breasts, uh-huh. and he's dancing around and smacking his ass. It's so funny. It drives me well, nuts. You know, you know what I think it is, though, also is, and I'll be honest, you know, with the spy gate, and, and if they did this, it, it didn't make a difference. They skilled, they killed him. But what bothers me is this. They're such a good team that this they, they don't need to cheat. And that's the whole thing. If it does come out, they cheat. They're so, I mean, Brady, as I said, you know, Brady sold his soul to the devil at a young age because oh, you're, you're never that good looking. You don't, you don't win yeah. three Super Bowls. You don't, you're not going to, you're, you're going to be a Hall of Famer. You make $30 million a year, but your simple model wife makes more. Right. You sold your soul must, to the devil. Because, I mean, a guy, it's like, next thing he's going to be a politician. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'll tell you though, I, you know, I agree if, if they did cheat, but here's the thing. They're saying now they didn't. Yeah. And the thing is this, as as much as it pisses me off, I think it's 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 a very strong rallying point for that team. It's us against the world. And as as an athlete, you know, it's it's a it's a mental thing. If you focus on 
you know, ooh, and you, you need that thing to drive you. You need that thing to get angry about, right? Now, these guys are professionals, but they're, they're athletes. And, and anything they can do to rally, 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 they're going to do it. Now, what will you do for the game? Because you're a Patriots fan. Do you have certain Patriots <sighs> friends? or I have a couple. I've got a really, uh, I've got a group of great friends who live down in um, Hermosa Beach, diehard Pats fans. And uh, I, I'm, I'm in a quandary because my buddy, Peter, uh, Last year, when I was in Phoenix, I came back for this great Super Bowl party up in the hills, right? And it was amazing. But I didn't watch the game. Right. So my buddy's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to this big party again. You want to go? And I said, well, be honest with you, dude. I, I might, I'm just going to go down with my boys in Hermosa because they are diehard Pat fans. And we're going to watch the game. I don't want to go and not watch it. Now, if Pats weren't in it, I'd go to the big party. See, that's what happened. Yeah, like when the Eagles were in it that year, you know, I watched it. At my you want to watch house. it. You, you want to watch it. Yeah, you don't want to sit there. It's like, I have a friend, actually. It's so funny. I'm like, he lives two blocks away from me. And I said, hey, man, you got to come over. But whenever the Patriots are in the Super Bowl, he has to sit at home by himself. I can't I can't stand to be around other people. I go, yeah, but that's the fun part. I mean, like, I guess yeah. I get when they won, when they beat the Eagles, I heard Sonny McLean's in Santa Monica. Oh, it went crazy. Nuts, yeah. I, w- I watched a game there once, and it was... I thought I was a fanatic. It was so insane. Well, I heard about when they played the Eagles because it's closed now. It used to be an Eagles, Eagles bar, bar called right the across Shack. the street. Yeah, but, but I heard Sonny McLean's only sold beer and wine. So at halftime, all the Patriots ran over to do shots. Shots, right? And then came back. Yeah, that's insane. So, I, uh, so now, what else? Do you have any other shows coming up? You know, right now uh, I've been doing some work with uh, AOL uh, on their new sports show. I've been producing that. Uh, you know, the business has changed a lot, so I'm really trying to work more on uh, doing a lot of producing stuff. So I'm actually between gigs, so I'm available. World, I'm available. Hire me. Well, you were just in New York, right? Yeah. And now how was that? Was that fun? It was great, yeah. It was oh. awesome. I love going back to the city, especially on someone else's dime. <laughs> now, where'd you stay? Did you stay in Midtown? or? Uh, I stayed one... Uh, AOL offices are downtown, so I stayed in Union Square two or three times and then one time is right around Thanksgiving so I was in Midtown and uh, I loved it I walked the two and a half miles down to the office in the freezing colds and loved it put on my headphones to listen to music love New York ate a lot of pizza and pretzels oh yeah you gotta get the pretzels oh I love it What's, what, uh, what, what kind of music you listen to these days what, like when you take a walk what do you listen to you know I've got such a amalgamation of crazy artists on my iTunes I got everything in there everything i don't like country though i'm not a country music fan i'm gonna tell you that the soundtrack you gotta get and i found it it was on my google play the album was free i downloaded it guardians of the galaxy soundtrack. oh my god i that's weird i was looking at that oh my god. two nights ago love that in fact i was gonna and it's it's like five but wait it's free in google no I, for google play google play does a free album. oh I yeah mean, i don't know do you have an iphone i have an iphone so it was, a, okay. it was like only 5.99 i'm like I love every track on there oh. except Cherry Bomb. It's so it's so good. I sit there. I I when I go to the treadmill, I use it or that. And they also the other day they had a free download of Motley Crue's Greatest Hits. Another great CD. They're both great. They always do a a. a, a I forgot about it, and I then I looked at. It, I go, oh my god, they do an album every uh, week and two songs. Because I always take I go to the treadmill in the day and then I take a small walk in the afternoon. Put that Guardians of the Galaxy on. Love you, that. You tr- can't oh, beat it. I love that. Anyway, we got to wrap up. Uh, uh, give us all your info. How people can get in touch with you? Your Twitter, your website, all that stuff. I'm uh, okay. So it's mattgalant.com. G A L L A N T. You know, I'm not a big Twitter guy, but. I have my Twitter. It's Matt underscore Gallant, G-A-L-L-A-N-T. So I'm on there. And then, uh, 
you know, my, I'm, I'm with Marky over at CMEG, but all that stuff's on my website, my my contacts and stuff. Yeah. I want to thank you for coming in. See that? Thanks, we, Cooper. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, so check all his information out. Follow me on Twitter, at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. Also, go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have, God, I, I just posted, I'm about to post up this morning. I think I have 337 episodes up on there. Nice. Uh, check that out. You can also send me an email, cooper at coopertalk.net. Go to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Cooper Talk, one word. Also, look in the next uh, month, my book, Stop the Salt, Sodium, uh, Low Sodium, I can't even say it. Cooking for Low Sodium Cooking for One Without Killing Yourself will be uh, coming out. I just have to go over some edits with it today. I'll be having a website here for that, stopthesalt.com. It'll be sold on Amazon for the Kindle and the book. So check that out because you want to eat healthy. You want to live long. Believe me, I went through the problems. I'm healthier than ever. I walk all the time. And that's about it. Also, I want to thank these radio affiliates who play my show, allradiox.com, wsdichicago.com, rantradionetwork.com, uh, the405media.com, and a new one from us. Uh, South Jersey starting uh, this Saturday at 7 p.m. If you want to listen on the internet, it's uh, wildfireradio.com. They also have a show by Mitch Williams, a relief pitcher. So that's very cool. So check that out. And yeah, just keep listening and follow me on Twitter and go to mattgallant.com and maybe try to go see his art show today. Uh, you have a Saturday. great weekend. What's that? Saturday. Saturday. I see. Yeah, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all discombobulated. I, I lose it. No, I just lose it. Anyway, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. You guys have a safe, safe weekend. I'll talk to you next week. I hate that.